Well, we want to welcome you to the Reformed Informants. This is a podcast devoted to biblical exposition, systematic theology, and practical application for the good of the church. I'm Lance Burroughs, along with TJ Darty, and we are the Reformed Informants. What's going on in Paris, Kentucky land? And just like I said last week, just, just passing through a pandemic, you know, just... It's all. It's all there is to it. Uh, yeah. Speaking of pandemic, are you having any issues there in the uh, church office? No, man. I mean, everything's perfect. <laughs> everything's perfect. No. Yeah. Like I mean, so we're getting ready. We're getting ready to get this episode recorded, and we've been working really hard to make high quality. Right. Like you've devoted so much time and energy to getting the audio exactly where it's supposed to be. We we're working on video. So we got Lindsay in there. We got the zoom thing. We're doing all this stuff and uh, it's just not, it's not happening today. So we're doing the best we can, right? We're still trying to troubleshoot this video. So after like 20 minutes, we've been talking and Mike's all set up and we're sitting there and you, you bounce out of the meeting so that we can, you can sort some things out technology wise. And I'm just sitting here waiting on you to hop back in. And it sounds like a gunshot goes off uh, under my desk and look over and the glass covering on my desk has been compressed by my microphone so much <laughs> that it just shattered. So uh, if I start screaming in the middle of the episode, it's because I've got glass shards all over my arm. Uh, but we'll we'll keep going. So, yeah, you've got I, the I'm first rattled. aid kit. You've got the first aid kit right next to you ready to roll. We'll bandage that thing up with some gauze and keep going here. Ah, man, I'm, I'm rattled. Let's start talking about something important. I'm, uh, I need to get my mind off this stuff. All right, here we go. Episode 38, The Dangers of Sunday Worship from Home. Basically, in this episode, we are going to rip every single church that is streaming services right now. (laughs) Including our own, right? (laughs) No, 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 that's not the idea. But we do want to touch on uh, Sunday worship, uh, the Lord's Day, what that looks like, biblically speaking. Um, But we want to begin... um, by talking about what we are not talking about in this episode. Again, the dangers of Sunday worship from home. Here's what we're not talking about. We are not talking about worshiping at home on Sunday during COVID-19. So you would say then that this season that we find ourselves in is an exception to the rule? This is a huge exception to the rule, which we'll discuss about later on in this episode. But we're not talking about COVID-19 and having to worship at home and the circumstances that we are currently living in. So so then I would say probably this episode is more in anticipation for when the doors open back up and there's a temptation for someone to say, hey, look, I've been sitting at home for the last four, six, eight months, however long this thing lasts. I've been sitting at home doing this this way. Uh, why do anything different? Why not? Yep. Like I've really enjoyed not having to get dressed and get the kids out and get in the car and do all that stuff. I can just do it from home, like while I'm working in the in the in the shop or whatever, right? Like that's kind of the the thing that we're combating against is that mentality that once we get back, we can just continue to do things right the way they are now. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Yeah, we're not talking about COVID-19 circumstances. We're not talking about church plants and startup churches and those things that may be taking place in a home initially um, before there's an actual church building. Um, We're not talking about people that can't physically make it onto church campus. At Countryside, I know that we have ministries um, that we kind of umbrella under shut-in ministries where we have people that are sick, recovering from surgery, or for whatever reason it may be related to the physicality of it, they can't make it to campus. Okay, mm-hmm. so they may stream service. We're not talking about those situations yeah, at those, all. Those would be providential hindrances, right? Like in God's providence, uh, you are physically unable, whether it's via sickness or um, whatever, or in the case here that we find ourselves in COVID-19, this would fall under that umbrella, right, of a providential hindrance to say that in God's Uh, sovereign circumstances, you are physically not able to meet. Uh, This would not apply in that case. Or if you are out of town, uh, maybe, maybe, hey, we're traveling, we got something for work or whatever else, 
then we have the option to stream service or to uh, maybe listen in on a podcast version of it after the fact because we can't do it live. Now, I, I do want to make a comment that if this is habitual, right, if like you you travel so much that you miss the, the regular gathering, then there's probably something else that needs to be dealt with there. But this is like, if you're traveling like once a year or once every, you know, six to eight months, okay, that's, that's a little different, right? Right. Yeah. What we're saying then is that this is what we're trying to establish with this conversation is the biblical understanding of what worship is supposed to look like and thereby highlighting the dangers of what can happen, which by the way, this is a new phenomenon. We didn't have the opportunity to worship from home, um, so to speak. This this is very, very new in the course of church history. You look at the last, you know, we're going to talk about that with church history, but if you look at 2,000 years of church history, this is like the tiniest little blip on the radar um, in terms of technology. So this is a new conversation. We can't look and see what the reformers said about this. Uh, this is new. Um, so, so anyways, looking, looking forward to having this discussion. So, so talking about what these dangers are, let's, let's, I'm gonna kick it to you. Talk to me through some of the, the first dangers that may come to mind in terms of somebody who says, look, I don't need to gather together once the doors open back up. I'm fine to stay home, kick on Facebook, kick on the website, whatever else. And, and I'm good here. What are the dangers of doing that? Yeah, no particular order as we go through these, by the way. Um, but I would start off by saying, and I think this one is obvious, so I'm stating the obvious here, is that it, it isolates you from the body of Christ. It isolates you from what we would call the local church. You are you are in isolation. You are in your home. You are limited to who is within the walls of your home, which may be your spouse, it may be your kids, it may be, you know, whatever your living situation is. You are now limited to those particular people only and you're basically only connected to some degree in heart or in spirit with the other people in the local church so isolation i would say would be a huge huge issue with this mm -hmm. I, I would agree and and um you know use that word isolation i think that's a strong enough term to capture this and that's um contrasted with the idea of biblical community right and that's such a pivotal aspect of God's created order, right? Like there's, it's not good for man to be alone. Uh, there, there's, there's constant references, both in part of the Imago Dei, part of the image of God is that we are, uh, we're beings that are communal. Um, God exists in three persons in fellowship. And so there's an aspect of, of the image of God in which we are communal beings. We, we, we exist in community. We've been made to commune with one another. So isolation then um, is highly, highly antithetical to the created order. Um, so I think that's a good, a good place to start. Um, what else? What, yeah. what other dangers are there? I would just echo to what you just said there. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Mm -hmm. there, there's, a, yeah. there's an aspect of that preposition with that is spatial. He was with God in eternity past, but also relational. Yeah. So like you said, with the image of God, the nature and character of the triune God, there's this community or fellowship that is inherently within God that he has also bestowed on mankind. And when we do not meet on Sunday mornings, we're isolated from how we've really created, we've been created to be. Gosh, yeah. That, that's really the heart of the issue there. Um, I, I think if we had to capture it in one bullet point, that would be it. But there are other um, components of this that kind of flow out of that. Um, what, like, like I would say one of the first things that come to mind when you deal with this question of why is isolation so bad? Well, in ministry, as a minister, uh, I can't minister to you. Uh, the elders, the pastors, the shepherds, uh, those who serve the church, we don't know who you are. We don't know where, how things are going. Uh, that's been and that's really, I'm really sensitive to that right now because that's a, the situation where I'm in, right? Like I haven't gotten to minister to my church. I haven't gotten to meet most of my church members. And it's so challenging to pick up a, a phone and call someone that you ha you don't know uh, or to, to say, hey, how can I serve you? How can I minister to you? What's going on? How can I pray for you? I don't see you. I haven't been around you. And so if this is the long-term uh, choice that you make, what you're doing is you're, uh, you're, you're withdrawing from and you're making it very difficult for your church leaders uh, to love on you, to shepherd you, 
uh, to minister to you. So I think just from a pastoral perspective, there's great danger in that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I would add to the list. Um, another danger would be making church extremely casual, extremely casual. And what I mean by that is you could be streaming church and you're eating an omelet at the table, you're sipping on your coffee on the couch. Um, I think being at home, and it's something that I would struggle with, even personally speaking, over the last five weeks of streaming uh, Countryside online, is that it just feels really informal and really casual. And um, I, I think that that is extremely dangerous because it's almost as if, um, as opposed to thinking of Jesus as Lord, he's more of just the kind of friend, buddy kind of situation. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think that's a great observation and not that, not that church is a formality or that there's a, that there's not a friendship aspect there, but there's, there's a reverence that comes right in the presence of the people of God and, and surrounding the, the, the pulpit and the preaching of the word, like there's reverence, there's holiness, there's acknowledgement, right? That you're in the presence of something greater than yourself. And when you're sitting on the, when your couch is, uh, you're sitting on your couch and your dog's like cuddle up next to you and snoring <laughs> or whatever, taking a nap, like there's, there's, there's a, it's hard to be in awe of the majesty and the glory and the splendor of God whenever you have uh, that going off and the oven's preheating in the kitchen and it go, the timer goes off. Like it's just, it's just difficult. And I think there is a, there's a casualness that, that lends itself to dismissing some of the key reverence that happens when the word of God is preached um, and when the saints are gathered. So, man, I think that's a great observation um, to, man, to, to bring that up. Yeah. There, there is nothing like, waking up on a Sunday morning, getting ready for church and walking into your church home and you've got other believers ready to sing and worship and pray and then hear God's word preached. There's just nothing. Being at home streaming will never be able to replace the authenticity of actually being there uh, on campus. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. That that brings up another danger uh, from from of worshiping from home um, is that it diminishes uh, fellowship, and and I would extend that to a couple of different areas. Uh, you know, whether it's your small group or Sunday school, like there's a personal, like if you're in a small group on Sunday morning, like you know what's going on in one another's lives. You're 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 um, invested in the spiritual health and the spiritual state of the of, of others in that group. Um, but I'm I'm personally noticing this. I know you and I have different perspectives because our Sunday mornings are different right now. You're you're um, at home with your wife and your son uh, on Sunday morning, and I'm at the the church with just a handful of volunteers. But when the singing happens, man, like I miss that fellowship, and you can't you can't sing with the people of God in your home the same way you can when you're singing with the people of God next to you. Um, that's maybe the thing I'm missing the most right now is just seeing the saints of God cry out together in a collective voice of worship. Um, and you miss that completely uh, when you're sitting in, in your house listening and only observing. Right, man. And if you have a terrible voice, you are longing to be back with the congregation so they can cover you up. Gosh, hey, how about this? Side note, this is totally off off topic here, but this past Sunday, or no, Sunday before, um, I gave the announcements and I was really dangerously close to forgetting to turn off my mic um, <laughs> during the singing, which would have been disastrous because I couldn't hear, I can't hear myself being amplified in the worship center. I, it's just being funneled into the Facebook live. So I would have sang the whole time masking our worship team, um, and not even known it. So that's <laughs> mute button is so powerful. Yeah. You would have uh, emptied out your church six <laughs> weeks in. <laughs> yeah. Live, our live stream number numbers are down to zero. Not sure what's happening. So, um, yeah. So, so what, what else, man, what, what other dangers might there be? Well, I think that, and, and this one's obvious, this one's obvious is that it creates issues for ordinances, specifically mm-hmm. baptism and communion. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to speak on that for a minute? 
Yeah, I mean, the idea of, of taking the Lord's Supper together is is done in a body, right? That there's a there's a calling together. Uh, Paul speaks of this in 1 Corinthians, whenever you gather together for meals, um, act, in the book of Acts, when the early church was gathering together, they were breaking bread together, and reference there to the, to the Lord's Supper. It happens in community. Um, this is not a discussion, per se, right now about taking the Lord's Supper uh, virtually or what that might include. But in this case, what you said there is it's creating issues. Um, how do I do, I, I've seen this question posed by pastors. I have somebody who has come to faith in Christ and they want to be baptized. Can we do that virtually? I don't know. It's not, so this is it's creating more trouble and more difficulty. And especially when the church is able to be gathered, um, if somebody is choosing to stay home, by themselves and, and dismissing this component? Like, how do you, how do you actually answer that question? I don't know. Right. It creates issues. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, you added this one to the episode uh, notes, but if we do not meet, we are unable to use our uh, spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. You know, first Corinthians 12 through 14, um, Ephesians 4, First Peter three, no, First Peter four might be the other reference there, uh, where, yeah, where the New Testament deals with spiritual gifts, and the purpose of the spiritual gift isn't for myself. Mm-hmm. In other words, this consumer mindset with spiritual gifts really doesn't exist in the New Testament. Yeah, that's no, that's so true. Um, and what happens is when I when when somebody says, "Hey, I'm just going to stay home and do my stuff from here." It's like this consumeristic, let me get, let me listen to people sing. Let me listen to the preacher preach. Let me listen to people pray. I'm just going to sit back and observe and I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to allow my gifts, whatever they might be. And first Peter four, it says that each one has received a gift and to be faithful stewards of that gift. And so, um, if you're saying at home and you're not participating, uh, you're, it's almost like the country club membership, right? Like, Hey, I, I became a member and now I get all the perks and all the benefits. Like, no, that's not what church membership is. That's not what spiritual gifts are. It's a serving aspect. It's a giving forward, uh, to the body of Christ because, um, without all the body pieces in place, the body doesn't function the way it's designed to function. Right. And that's why Paul in first Corinthians 12, he, he uses the body as an illustration uh, for uh, the functionality of spiritual gifts in the church. Um, I think you probably lump Romans 12 into yeah. the uh, discussion as well. Um, but just like there are so many components externally and internally to our own physical bodies that work simultaneously, the, the same is absolutely true for the church. And if we take a consumer mindset where we have flipped church on its head where it is all about me, 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 uh, then we are not fulfilling what the New Testament calls using your spiritual gifts for clearly the glory of God, but for the sake of others. Yeah. Like the gifts that I have must be exercised and used in the local church for everyone else. And the Mm. gifts that they have must be used and exercised for me. Really closely connected with that. I would also add, um, that worshiping from home, again, this is all related to this, but it very much fosters a sense of pride. Um, and what I mean by that is that if if I if I sense that I need the local church, um, and I have a place in the local church where it's like, hey, this is where I serve, this is where I um, spend my time, it's where I focus on gathering together with others, and I need them, I need to be around them, then I recognize in my own humility what I need is other people. Um, but if I say, no, I'm good, I'm just going to worship at home, whether I say it or not, whether I acknowledge it or not, what I'm, what's happening is I'm saying, I'm good. I don't need somebody else. Uh, I'm fine on my own. I don't need accountability. Uh, I don't need somebody shepherding me. I don't need to be uh, subject to anyone else. I don't need to serve. Uh, I don't need to give. Like I'm good. Um, and so I just think that there's this this root of pride that is just so um, it's so apparent from the outside, but easy to miss when you're in the middle of that. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned fellowship a few times, kind of informally. I, I think that we've gotten that point across. Um, we need to be face to face. That is 
crystal clear in scripture. You touched on shepherding there. I guess you could probably speak on that a little more as a, as a, you know, a pastoral role, um, shepherding people. I mean, you, you see commands in the new Testament for shepherds to take care of their flock, but you also see that the flock is instructed to be under the care of the shepherd. So there's a, you know, there's a back and forth to that to some degree. And that, again, that cannot be done in isolation. Oh, man, that's a, that's such a good word. I mean, Hebrews 13 talks about submitting to uh, the leaders in your church. And if you're unwilling to even be present uh, and to show up uh, to, to worship and to participate in worship, um, by definition, then you would be rebelling against and, and subverting um, the authority of the church leaders. Um, and so I think that, yeah, that that the impossibility, th- those two concepts are incompatible to say, I'm willingly and intentionally going to neglect and forsake the fellowship of the flock. Uh, bec- even though I could be there, I'm choosing not to because I will just, I'll just take advantage of this online option that many churches, my own included, uh, where, where we're at Central, this was the first time we've been uh, online ever. Now we were kind of, our hand was forced. Um, and it's a great ministry to shut-ins or to those who are traveling. Like we're, we're not discounting that, uh, but it's not a substitute for somebody who can physically be there. Right. So there are some churches, however, that will advocate for this online streaming church service. And in other words, they are okay and actually promote Hey, look, if you're not in the state or you're in town, you're, you're not able to attend this particular church. Well, you can download an app on your phone and you can be a church member from multiple states away and multiple miles away. Is this um, this is pre-COVID, right? Like this, this is this is pre-COVID. This is pre-COVID situation here. Okay. Um, Judah Smith, pastor of Church Home in 2018, he released uh, an app that basically allows people from different cities to be members or a part of the, or a part of this church, um, remotely, um, which is exactly what we're saying you should, you should not do. Right. (laughs) Um, but it basically through the app and it says this on, on the website there, church home, the digital app, users can join a digital church home community. Okay, that's, that's what it advocates for, a digital community. And we're advocating here that only unless extreme circumstances call for it, which we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, that we should not be relying on streaming as our church community, as our church fellowship, as our church body. Yeah, man, that I just... We need. We're gonna have to move on quickly because I I can't dwell on this. I'm just gonna get mad. Yeah, we don't uh, want you to shatter more glass on <laughs> on your desk. Yeah, if you if you if you hear some some shattering, that's what's going on. Just slamming my my hands down on on the desk on this. Yeah, I mean that's it's just so frustrating to hear that because it's so that's so it that subverts what the church is, and we haven't gotten to really spend any episodes dealing with uh, ecclesiology or the study of the church that comes later in systematic because you got to deal with some of the other core doctrines first. Uh, but the, the, the doctrine of the church is so pivotal, man. And, uh, man, it's just so often it's just neglected. And I think especially in 2020 where we find ourselves, that's what's happening. Um, you know, Al Mohler has been, uh, he, he said before that YouTube is a lousy place to go to church and whether, and you can, I mean, that's what we're saying, right? Like whether you take out YouTube and put Facebook, uh, put church website, put the church home app or whatever this nonsense is, and it's lousy. It's just not the real thing. Um, so yeah, man, that's that that's discouraging for me uh, to hear because that's not that's not that's not it norm. No, that's not it. Um, all right, one one more thing. I don't mean to cut you off, but one more thing that we need to talk about as far as the danger, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let you do it, even though I want to take it, but you get credit for it because you you did you did the digging here. But talk to me about the danger of worshiping from home and the relationship that that has with sin. Yeah, I'm in in preparation for the message that I uh, taught uh, about a week ago on genuine uh, fellowship, biblical priority of genuine fellowship. I read through a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called Life Together. Uh, 
he was a minister, a seminary professor. He was actually imprisoned in a concentration camp during uh, World War II. But in, in, in the book that he wrote, Life Together, he says, Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him, and the more deeply he becomes involved in it, and the more disastrous his isolation or the more disastrous is his isolation, rather, I should say. And then he goes on to say, sin wants to remain unknown. Mm. And Bonhoeffer is just spot on with his analysis of being isolated from the body of Christ, is that your own personal sin, whether you see it or not, it wants to remain unknown. It wants to remain covered up. It wants to remain isolated. If I was to partake, quote unquote, because it's not possible, partake in church weekend after weekend after weekend through streaming services, that is now almost fueling uh, my sin in, in terms of I'm not being shepherded by the leaders and I'm not around the community of God and my sin does not want to be known by, it doesn't want to be out there, right? So if you remain isolated, Bonhoeffer argues that you you are fueling sin behind the scenes. Man, that's, gosh, that's so powerful. That's so well said. The first thing that came to mind dealing when I read that quote, um, when you sent it to me, was uh, was James, right? Like, confess your sins to one another. And I was just thinking about the, the aspect of isolation and sin and a cultivating of sin breeding more sin. And when you have no fellowship, when you have no accountability, when you're isolated, that sinful desire, man, it can, it can just, that becomes a nasty beast um, that can show up in all kinds of different ways. And um, the value of community that I've experienced in my own life, like like when you and I got to become uh, good friends and we spent more time, like you just sharpened me. You made me you made me less inclined to just kind of venture off and waste my time on something. No, like I want to stay sharp. You you gave me something that I want to chew on. I want to think about edifying conversations, showing up to take care of our bodies, working out early in the morning, things like that that happen in community. Um, whereas if I were by myself, isolation. Uh, sin, sin just breeds more sin uh, because sin wants to be alone. That was man. That's such a powerful word. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a direct and an indirect indirect component to it. You know, because you have conversations with people in your church directly about your own sin and mm-hmm. your confessing of sin. But there's even an indirect component to it. Just being around the body of Christ in and of itself is a safeguard, knowing that. Um, that you you may be called on it, yeah, by your brothers and sisters in Christ. You yeah, know? it's a deter, it's a natural deterrent because you're around others who yeah. will call you on it. Yeah, um, you know, if you're around others who wouldn't call you on it anyway, what's it matter? What are you afraid of? Nothing, right? Like you can't get quote unquote caught um, if that's the case. But when you're around others who would hold you accountable, that's a different story. That's such a good word. All right, what we got next? So we've talked about what this episode is not. Uh, We talked about many dangers of streaming and attempting to worship from home. Um, I think we'll move into the third component of the episode here, looking at a biblical pattern of worship, a biblical pattern of worship. So TJ, where do we want to go as as we start? Well, um, first of all, let me me kind of clarify or comment a little bit. This is uh, corporate worship. Right, we're talking about gathered local church worship, um, because Paul says in Romans twelve one, right, like that our uh, the spiritual act of worship, like our whole lives are worship. Everything that we do is worship, um, because that's who God is. He is worthy of our worship. How I work, um, how I drive, how I talk to my wife, all that stuff is a component wrapped up in worship. But we're talking here about organized, corporate, local body, local church worship. Um, And the first thing that comes to mind when we deal with that is that worship has occurred for the church on Sunday, uh, the first day of the week. Uh, Now, there's 
a couple of things in play here. One, this is the beginning of the created order. Um, I actually found this really interesting as I was preaching recently through on Easter Sunday. Um, in the Jewish calendar, the Jewish days of the week, they didn't name their days. It was the first day, the second day, the third. Well, that's because that's how God did it in Genesis. Uh, but they had one name, and that was the Sabbath. That was what God named it. And so you had the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, Sabbath. That was how they named their, but the first day of the week uh, was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Mm. And so because of the resurrection, Christians, the holy day is no longer the Sabbath, the day of rest, but it is now the first day of the week and it's tied to the resurrection. So uh, I don't like the term Easter Sunday. I think there's too many negative connotations and things related to Easter and the culture. It's really resurrection Sunday, but Every Sunday is Resurrection yep. Sunday, right? Like that's why the local church, that's why the early church, they worshiped on Sunday as a gathered uh, community because they were celebrating the resurrection. Yeah, man. I'm so glad you said that. Easter Sunday always emphasizes the resurrection, but in reality, and again, that's fine. That's great. Mm -hmm. You know, but in, in reality, every single Sunday morning, is a celebrate? Well, I mean, you could argue obviously every day, but right, as right. far as corporate worship is concerned, every single Sunday morning is a celebration of the resurrection of Christ and yeah. how glorious, obviously, you know, that day was 2000 years ago. But so glorious, we continuously celebrate it every Sunday. That's why we want to meet. <laughs> and and there's not, you can't go, it, it, there's not a point where Jesus rose from the dead and said, okay, now, since I rose on the first day of the week, you shall now worship on Sunday, right? Like I can't go chapter and verse and say that, but, but we can see there's a New Testament pattern uh, of worship happening, corporate worship happening on the first day of the week. On, in Acts chapter 20, uh, it says in verse seven that on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread. So there's, again, you see first day of the week and the gathering together of the saints. First uh, Corinthians 16, Paul's writing, he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also on the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. So it's every week you put some money aside, why are they saying that the first day of the week? Because that's when the church was gathering. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, as the Apostle John is pinning the book of Revelation from the island of Patmos, he says that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. On the Lord's day. Now, a number of commentators, and we won't go through them because... I mean, dude, we're almost out of time here. <laughs> um, but a number of commentators uh, make the point that this is really the first time in um, Christian literature, at least towards the end of the first century, where we have a um, we have documentation of Sunday being called the Lord's Day. Mm -hmm. And many of those theologians and scholars uh, make the point that there are other writings around this general time frame, where Christians are referring to Sunday as the Lord's day. So not only are Christians meeting corporately on Sunday, but they are calling it now. They, they are referring it, uh, referring to it as the Lord's day. Yeah, man, that's, and that's what, it's because of the resurrection, right? So on Sunday, and, and church history would tell us the same thing. We can look for 2,000 years. We can go all the way back uh, to the second century. We can look at uh, documentation. There's all kinds of, of references here. This is a pattern. It's not a coincidence, right? Like this has been from that day forward. We see it in the New Testament, and then the early church just continues that point. And here we are 2,000 years later, and that's when we worship like it's and it's not random or haphazard like, hey, we don't pick Sunday because that's when most people are off work. No, like actually most people are off work because the days are built around the Christian understanding of what the resurrection was. So um, it starts there Sunday morning, corporate gathering, um, an intentional time of of collected worship. Uh, so that's where you have to start when you're looking at a biblical pattern of worship. And I think the second place you have to go is you have to talk about the idea of being of it being corporate. It's done with other 
believers. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, this is a central verse uh, for this conversation, but Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, speaks of not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day or the coming, the return of Christ, as you see the day drawing near. Yeah, I mean, Hebrews ten twenty five is foundational to this argument, um, but but it makes the argument again, as I've said, crystal clear. This is the pattern that we see in the New Testament. This is the pattern that we see all throughout church history. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, and just to bounce off of that and reiterate that again, is that there isn't a chapter verse that says um, it has to be on Sunday, but this is just what we've seen. Mm-hmm. Body believers have been doing this, and this is what we're going to continue to do in 2020 when we can get back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but to add to uh, the point here we're talking about with worship being done with corporate, corporately with believers, uh, then again, the New Testament just assumes that people are members of churches and that people are going to church. Paul writes to the churches of Galatia. He mm-hmm. writes to the Philippians, which you'll be preaching through here soon. He writes to the Colossians, even even John, he writes to the seven churches. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, the idea is that that people are meeting, they're, they're gathering, they're assembling, um, because that's what it's always understood the church to be. It's a gathering of believers, believers right. in the resurrection. Right. And and Paul, like when Paul writes and we say, okay, he wrote to the Philippians or he wrote to the Romans, he, he understood that that church was a collection of individuals. Uh, you see individual names. He, he speaks of in Philippians chapter four, he speaks of the two women who are disagreeing. Uh, in Romans 16, he talks about the, the greetings that should occur. And he, he mentions people by name and thanks others for their service. And, and there's constantly references to individuals because these churches, it's understood and the way Paul wrote to them was to say, these are churches but I'm writing to the collection of individuals, and that's what a church is. So there's a corporate gathering, there's a corporate meeting that is taking place. And so Paul can say, I'm going to write to the churches of Galatia, and what he's doing is he's communicating to a group of individuals that are clustered together in a local gathering. So it's not just a, um, it's not just some kind of a uh, ethereal type of concept. No, these are real people that are meeting together and in their their assembly, that's what the word ecclesia, the word church, called out once, but it's an assembly, a gathering of people in one physical location. And um, so, and by the way, well, that's a plug for a future episode when we talk about <laughs> what the church is. But for now, the assembly, it's a gathering and it's happening with believers all together. Right. Yeah. Now, now would be a good point to open up Romans chapter 16 and look at the amount of people that Paul mentions in that chapter. Really, the entire 16th chapter is dedicated to Paul mentioning people by name, greeting people by name, which tells us, one, that there are people that he knows in Rome at that church by name. He has relationships with those people. He's intimately involved in their lives. He's not randomly just like he's not picking names out of the ether here and you know, just throwing him here at the end of the letter. No, he's genuinely concerned um, and is expressing his emotions and feelings towards these particular people. That's right. part of being in a church. Right, right. Another thing, um, and you've, you've listed out several here. I hope we're, we have time to get to, to most of them. But, but another thing that's really significant in relating to community and the, the fact that it's a group of believers is the concept of church discipline. Right, so church discipline, uh, in and of itself, is part of a local church. In fact, it's one of the uh, what the reformers would recognize as what what does it take for there to be a church? Well, there has to be the preaching of the word, there has to be the administration of the sacraments, and there has to be church discipline. Well, why is that significant? Uh, church discipline, um, several things going on here. But first of all, you have to know about one another's sin. Uh, that's what church discipline is. It's a way to correct. It's a way to restore fellowship. It's a way to rebuke and to refine. And so if you and I are 
cut off, if we're distant from the local body, then there can be no church discipline because nobody even knows what's happening in my church or in my heart um, and vice versa. Uh, but at the same time, the New Testament speaks in Matthew chapter 18. There's a, a physical going to the individuals. Uh, first take one or two, go by yourself, then take one or two with you and then bring them to the church. The whole church is around. Mm. Uh, Paul says the same thing in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 20, uh, that those who continue in sin, he tells Timothy, rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning, just like what you said earlier. So there's the, with church discipline, uh, we see in the New Testament that there's a, a component uh, of, of presence and, and uh, the gathering together of the saints in order for discipline to occur. Right. And uh, to add to that, I think that church discipline gets a bad rap. Uh, I think we could say that, that people read about church discipline or maybe people hear about other churches doing church discipline. In other words, another way of saying that is churches are confronting the church members with their sin. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the idea isn't that the shepherds and the overseers and the leaders are just trying to boot people out of the church. Like you sinned right. on Wednesday, so we're coming after you and you're boot, we're booting you out of here before the worship service on Sunday. No, the idea is to restore mm-hmm. a brother or sister in Christ. The idea is for that person to be confronted with their sin and repent and turn back to Christ. Now, we don't want to get off on tangents here on a Matthew 18 and church disciplines, probably a future episode. Um, but again, the idea, like you're talking about, this takes place corporately. This is community. This takes place with involvement and it's relational and people know one another. And that can only happen if you are part of a church. Yeah. And I loved what you said about being restored and to to wrap that up, like to be restored to the fellowship, right? Like to be restored back to the body. Like it's not just, hey, we want you to be restored to God, though certainly that's central, but like the whole aspect of the local church with discipline is to say, we want you to be part of our fellowship. And right now, when you're when you're running from God and you're in your sin, we can't allow you to be in our fellowship. So we're going to discipline you lovingly to restore you back because we want you here with the assembly. So it's implied, it's understood that the church is going to gather together. Right. Yeah. And to add to this point about worship being done corporately with believers, uh, if you read Acts chapter two and really throughout Acts, you'll notice that there is a record of converts or a record of people that have been converted. 3,000 were added to the church. 4,000 were added to the church. So there was this idea that there were records, not for the sake of saying, oh my goodness, like we just had 5,000 converts this first past month. First church in the first. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the idea was the seriousness of repenting and believing and becoming part of the church. We want to know you. Right. We, we don't want you to be isolated. Right. You see that pattern in Acts. That's man. That's such a good point. That's you know, I've, I've heard a joke before. Like we count because you count. You know, like that's what they were. That's what they were doing. They were counting. And they were keeping records because they wanted to make sure nobody slipped through the cracks. They, you know, I mean, Acts chapter six. I was just reading this morning, right? Like the Hellenists were, were they, they were being neglected, and so they appointed deacons so they could serve them. They, they they were ministering to the people, to the local congregation there, and so uh, that's exactly what we see. Um, constantly throughout the New Testament, the relationship between uh, elders and shepherds with their people. There's relationship, there's there's community, there's, there's a corporate gathering that is taking place, and it's assumed and stated in the New Testament both. Um, so let's, let's continue the discussion. We, we're, we're running short on time, but let's try to wrap up with a couple other uh, points here. Um, what do we expect to see in worship whenever we do gather together. In other words, if I'm thinking about just worshiping from home, what am I going to miss that I would I can only get whenever I'm in the presence of the local body? Preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Well, I can hear that online. I can watch a YouTube sermon online. <laughs> yeah, what's the difference? Like, I, I'm getting preaching and teaching. Right. Yeah, the, the difference being... Again, what we've been really been advocating for uh, th- this entire episode 
is that there is a pattern in the New Testament where the Word of God, and even in the Old Testament, you're going to preach on Nehemiah chapter 8. I don't know when you're doing that, but I know soon. Um, maybe this coming Sunday. Um, but there is an element when the preaching of the teaching of the Word of God is taking place that it's being done to people. Right. It's being done in front of men. It's being done in front of women. It's being done in front of the family, in front of children. So, you know, it's not, if we go back and look through all the preachers uh, throughout church history, we go back to the New Testament, Old Testament, uh, this whole idea of just standing up and preaching in front of nobody, right. uh, again, doesn't exist. It's it's always a congregation. It's always uh, corporately. It's always a, a body of people gathered for the preaching of God's word. Yes, man, that's that's exactly right. I love that. Uh, that's what Nehemiah 8 says. I am going to preach that this Sunday and dealing with all the people gathered as one man, preaching to the assembly and all who could hear and understand all the children. The, the, the word is up on a platform and they turned and they stood and they listened to the word of God being read aloud and then they listened to it being explained to them but it includes a gathering together. Like that's just, that's understood there in the text. And so as loud as they could preach, that's how far the, the, the congregation would gather out and that's what they would do. And there was not only full participation by Nehemiah proclaiming and exalting and preaching the word of God, but the people themselves were participating. Remember he would read from the word of God and they would stand up. Um, they were listening. They were trying to understand. They wanted the sense of the text. They, they wanted to know what the text meant. They were uh, weeping and they were crying. And then they were begging for the word of God to be read more and more and more and again and again and again. So it's, it's, it's an active relationship on the part of the preacher and the believer. Uh, it's active from the pulpit and in the pew. This isn't, uh, again streaming a service doesn't allow that in some degree from both ends. And you even understand that as you've been preaching, you know, the last five weeks, there is an element where you are preaching to your people and you are, uh, you know, making the best use of the situation at hand. But how much more do you want those people in front of you? Yeah, man, that's, that's, you're exactly right. And I've, um, I've said that too. Like there's just, there's a lack of energy in the room because the people of God are not there affirming. They're not there leaning forward in their seats. They're not, I don't hear the pages of scripture rustling as they open their Bibles. I don't, I don't see them taking notes. I can't feel them eagerly and longing and anticipating. And I don't see their response whenever I'm done uh, expositing the word. I want to see them cut to the heart. I want to see them repenting and, and, and trusting in Christ. And, uh, and that's what you see. I mean, all the way back in, in Exodus chapter 24, uh, Moses comes and he, he confirms the covenant with the people of God and they participate. Uh, Joshua and jo at the end of the book of Joshua, again, a, an affirming of the covenant and the people participate. Say, yes, this is what we will do. And they're active in that. And so the preaching, yeah, it's not, it, it I understand kind of the, the on the surface argument, like, oh, well, th what's the difference? It's just a sermon. I'm just listening to it. Um, but being in the room is different and it's different right. for multiple reasons. Yeah. Um, Martin Lloyd Jones, who we, who we have uh, quoted from and talked about every now and again on the podcast, he said that some of his greatest conversations and counseling sessions and discussions about the gospel in Christ came after his preaching, mm. after the church service. In other words, he would preach and his preaching is top notch. Right. If you haven't listened to it before, you can actually find audio of his sermons online. And most of his books, by the way, are his sermons. But after he would preach on a Sunday, he would go back to his office and he would have a line of people that would mm. come in one by one and just want to talk spiritual conversations, gospel conversations about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said really that that was one of the more fruitful times of his ministry was directly after the, the congregation gathering, the preaching and proclamation of the word. And that's, that's so, so to reiterate then the preaching and the teaching of the word of God needs to happen 
with the gathering, right? There's just no, it's not, there's not a substitute of that to be able to say, well, I'm just staying home. I'm going to listen to it uh, because there's, there's so much more to it there. But in addition to preaching uh, this, this is a, you could have a lengthy list, but what happens in worship that requires uh, the gathering together? Well, we've already touched on the singing, right? Like there's corporate singing uh, that occurs. Uh, we see references that in the new Testament, um, all kinds of places. First Corinthians 14, Ephesians five, the songs and spiritual songs and hymns, uh, Colossians three, uh, many, many scholars believe that Colossians one and probably even Philippians two were early Christological hymns that were sung. Um, so you, the, the, the people of God singing the word, uh, and singing praises to God together have ha- has happened for countless generations and it will continue, but it happens together. Um, the, the, there's just, there's just such a value in having the people sing, uh, and the, the, uh, the end product is always greater than the sum of its parts, right? Like when you have a bunch of individual people singing, it's like, okay, that's like, that's good. But when you put us all together, like, Hey, that's the people of God and it's one voice. And there's, there's something beautiful and poetic about that. Um, you, you also have the reading of scripture, you have corporate prayer, uh, you have corporate giving, uh, that we see throughout the new Testament. And then we've already talked some about the ordinances. Uh, what, what else would you, would you kind of unpack or add to any of that? No, man, that was good. You had mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, that first Corinthians 16 talks about meeting on Sunday, the first day of the week. Well, that passage is actually dealing with giving, uh, offerings or giving, a uh, towards uh, benevolence or for people that are in need in the church. So again, it's that corporate aspect. Not only are we meeting on Sunday, but we're giving our resources to be able to help other saints or other believers in the church. Again, to some degree, that can't be going on if you're not meeting with those people, if you're not in the know on the needs of people. Um, and First Corinthians 16 details that. Now, as far as the ordinances are concerned, man, we're just going to have to mark that down as another episode. Yeah. Too much to talk about. Too yeah. much to talk about. That's good. That's probably good. So what, what else, What else? before we wrap up, what else do we need to touch base on and kind of mention before we, before we bring this one to a close? Um, gosh, man. We've got a few things left on the old guide here that we could discuss. Um, I, I would say if you've got time, I won't read all the quote. But Justin Martyr, a second century apologist, he talks about um, Christians meeting on Sunday. Christians on Sunday were reading from uh, the memoirs of the apostles and the writings of the prophets. Uh, they were being verbally instructed. Um, they were offering prayers and thanksgivings. Uh, they were taking communion. Um, they were Again, I think I mentioned they were praying together. They were meeting together. This is all second century church history. We have documents of Christians. This is what they're doing. Right. So in one sense, in 2020, you know, our our church home may look different. Um, Our text of scripture may look different. We may be singing different songs. But in reality, we, we ought to be doing what the church has always been doing. And we see that in the book of Acts, New Testament, but even in you know, one or two generations after Jesus and the apostles. Okay, let me ask a question then, because I agree with everything you just said. So I'm I'm going to play devil's advocate here and ask ask this question: If this is so clear, if this is so obvious, if this is if we're so adamant, if we're so convicted and and convinced of this truth, then why are we staying home on Sunday right now? Why in the world, if I'm if I'm advocating for everything that we've said here, why in the world am I pastoring a church where I'm telling people to stay home and just get the service either on the radio or on Facebook or just kind of tune in and get your announcements that way and we'll be good? Like why how how do those two things coexist? Well, we've talked about on the reformed informants that you you can't just take one component of scripture. You can't just look at scripture from one angle you can't just pick and choose what parts of scripture you want to believe and you want to apply you want to live out um you have to take the totality of scripture i think we've advocated for that in the previous 36 episodes you know that we've done and and this would be a case where you have to do the same because romans 13 first peter chapter 2 
tells Christians, it instructs Christians that we have to respond to the government in a biblical manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, we have been asked by the government, COVID-19 situation, we have been asked by the government to not gather together, not because not because they are forbidding our worship or they are telling us that we cannot worship Christ or they are hindering the gospel, but because this is a worldwide health-related situation. Yeah, I think we have to see it in that light. And you and I have discussed off the podcast how there are some, uh, maybe churches or pastors, that are looking at this situation as an attack by the government and I don't want to just brush those things to the side because I do think that we should have those conversations to some degree. But I don't see, at least in my understanding, that the government is inflicting or telling us that we cannot meet due to our beliefs. Um, instead, we're, we're responding to a health crisis. I don't know you you add you add to that. We've got some time here. Add to that. Oh, that was that was really well said. And of course, we're going to spend a full episode uh, discussing this, you know, dealing with how do we respond? In fact, I actually preached uh, a sermon on this subject my third Sunday here. um, I wouldn't say off the cuff, but definitely not planned. It was not in my long term when I knew I was going to take over senior pastor week three, Romans 13. Like that wasn't the plan. Uh, But the covid situation, I think you know, dictated that I do that because I wanted to explain why we made the decision that we did as a church and what will inform our decision uh, moving forward and how it's week to week and what we're doing. But but ultimately, like you said, this is a season um, and this is a um, this is something that is impacting everyone. And so we're not looking at this right now and saying, um, hey, this is going to do. We'll just switch over here. It's all the same. Uh, in fact, I think if anything, this season, you and I were talking to the, talking about this right before, uh, we started, uh, today, man, I'm just over it. Like I'm so sick of this, this online thing. And I spent, I spent almost my entire day today making phone calls to, to church members and to, uh, to every single person I talked to said, when are we getting back together? I can't wait to get back together because it's just not right. This is not natural. It's not the way that God has designed his church. And so, um, yeah, we can say that during this time we're staying home, but we hate it. It's not a substitute. It is a necessary measure to stop gap us so that we can still see, have some shadow of worship until we can get back together for the real thing. Man, that's so, that's so good. That's so good. Um, Man, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm almost at a loss of words here because I, I feel my frustration uh, coming out of not being able to meet. Uh, I, I told you before we started recording this episode, the man that I woke up uh, yesterday morning and man, I was just, I, I just didn't want to stream, man. I, I just wanted to be on campus. I wanted to be around people. I wanted to be singing with others and praying with others and Oh man, I was just longing for that face-to-face interaction and was just super bummed yesterday. Although thankful that we can do this in the time being, I I, I, I cannot wait yeah. to get back to yeah. normal Sunday, normal Lord's Day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you want to give us an initiative real quick? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we've got, we've got several episodes coming that'll roll out of this because this conversation could keep going for a long, a long time and we could have many, uh, rabbit trails that we chased off there. Uh, so stay tuned. We're going to, we're going to come back and, and deal with some of those things. But as far as the, the takeaway for today, um, what I would say in terms of initiative for me is that what we have right now, um, it's just, it's temporary and it's, it's not authentic. It's not real. Like it's, you can tell whenever I'm, uh, I'll give an example. Um, when I'm in the room with Chloe, my wife, like I am, I'm all in with her, but I'm not going to be in a room with her and looking at a picture of her. Like if I'm in the room with her, I got the real thing. Uh, but if she's not in the room, the picture will just have to do so I can look at it. I can remember her. I can think about her. But as soon as I can be in the room with her, that picture is meaningless. I don't need the picture anymore. And so in the same way, whenever we can gather back together again, I don't need the online version. That's just 
That's just if I have to. Uh, what I want is I want to be with her. And so uh, that's the best case scenario is to be in the same room, to be gathering together. That's the biblical uh, mandate. It's the biblical pattern. And so that's where we need to go. This is just a temporary solution. Uh, and it's a, it's a lousy one, but it's the best we can do. So just having that mindset and that mentality now, so that whenever we do get back together, there's no temptation. I, there, there's no question. I want to be in the same room. I want to gather. I want to be present. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, for, for my initiative, I would essentially say the same thing that, um, the, temporary circumstances that we are in where we are streaming again i'm thankful we can do that um that, that is a that is a grace and i don't, I don't want to discredit that uh that component but again it makes me long for uh, the biblical principles that have been laid out for the lord's day and as we were going through these in preparation for uh, this episode it just made me long for those principles more uh, because God has laid out a perfect standard and the perfect principles for how he wants church to be conducted on Sunday morning. And when you do that, you are maximizing corporate worship yeah. and you are bringing honor and, and glory to him. So I, I just long to be back in that season Man. sooner than later. Gosh, me, dude, me too. If you're not doing so already, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and to our YouTube channel. You can also like us on Facebook at Reformed Informants and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at R underscore informants. And you can find links to all of our social media platforms and all of our previous episodes at our website at www.themajestiesmen.com slash reformed informants. Yeah, if you have any questions or suggestions for topics of discussion, feel free to email us at reformed informants at gmail.com. Thank you.